I want to make sure that I say hello to everyone out there who is watching online and live, wherever you're watching from. Thank you uh, for allowing us to be a part of your day and everyone in here as well. Uh, happy 4th of July weekend, everybody. I uh, hope you are enjoying that. Tomorrow is the 4th. I just want to do a quick survey here, quick survey. Who in here, show of hands, who in here, just, it, it, like you're the people who set the fireworks off. You like doing that? Who, who, does, who likes doing that? Set them off. It's okay, it's safe. I like it, yeah. Everybody's like this. You know why? I'll tell you why here in a second. Who here, who here doesn't set them off, but you actually enjoy watching fireworks. It's really fun part for, yeah, yeah. Who here has dogs or babies and you're already over it? Show your hands, yeah. That's why the other guys and gals are like, yeah. This is, uh, this is our dog, Oscar's first fourth, and he already has fireworks PTSD. Like, yeah, I don't know where he is. He, he's, hit, he's been hidden for three days. I don't know where this guy is. So. Hey, man, I hope you guys have a great, uh, uh, you know, um, weekend. Stay safe as, as you all do that, and I hope you have a great fourth. Um, but let's get to it in here today, all right? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open them up to Judges chapter four. Judges Four. We are in uh, a series, we're in a summer series, still in the front of this, where we are just going through story by story in the book of Judges. And what we're doing is we're just learning the story of God and the Israelites. But, but what we're also seeing along the way already is that even though this is a story that happened so long ago and that it is about God and his people then, he still has a bunch of stuff to show us today. Isn't that really neat? That there are things that we need to understand as a church and, and also as individuals who follow Jesus, that God still has so many things to apply to us through this story. And gang, that's why the Bible's so great. It doesn't matter where you go in the word of God. It's always amazing to me that there's something he shows you. There, every single time you open his word, there's always something for us to learn and apply in our own lives. And that's what we're seeing as we study this book. Now, if you are new here or you're visiting and you haven't been with us so far, I'm gonna give you kind of a summary of the book of Judges so far uh, with what we've been doing over the last few weeks. So, so here it is, Judges is a story of how God continually intervenes and rescues his people, even though they, they keep turning away from him. That, that's the gist of the book of Judges. It's just a continuation of him rescuing them and them turning back away from him after that. Uh, so the people of God at this point, they are in the promised land. They are in this place that God promised them when they got out of slavery. So they're out of slavery, they're free people, but, but they keep on putting themselves in bad places and bad spots by not following God. And how God rescues them is through raising up these people, these leaders who save them. And, and those are the people who are called judges. That's why this is called judges, all right? So in Judges 4, where we're gonna be today, this is just gonna be a, a new cycle uh, of what I just kind of summed up on. We're just gonna get into it and it's what we're talking about. So let's go. Hopefully you made your way there to Judges 4 and we're gonna start reading in verse one. And here's what it says. It says, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who resigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera. If you have your Bibles out, I'm gonna have you circle a few things. Circle the name Sisera. That's a very important name that we're gonna look at. So Jabin's the bad guy king. He's the, Sisera is the commander of the bad guy army, all right? Commander of army was Sisera who lived in Hagas Habaham. Okay, <laughs> next verse. 
Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron. If you remember a few weeks ago, just one chariot of iron scared them. So he had 900 of them and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. All right, we're gonna stop here. We're gonna be in this pretty much this whole chapter. We're gonna read and stop and talk a little bit. So for 20 years, they were slaves. They were in slavery. Now remember, they were free. This was their land. They, they were, this is the land they already had. And this is after, in the first three chapters, we see this is after 120 years of living out the promise of God. This is their land. This is their territory. The land that the people were, were looking forward to, their ancestors said, man, once we get there, this is gonna be so great. Once we get in, it's gonna be so sweet. This is the land that God promised us. And you know, gang, I wonder if any of us can relate to that. If we've ever found ourselves in a place where you say, man, once I get this, like once I, this is over, man, things are gonna be better. Or maybe it's not once I get this, once I get rid of this thing or this person, then things will get a lot better. You know, I'll be said, uh, well, they, this is where they got. They got there and then uh, uh, they're back in slavery for 20 years, for 20 years. So before we move on, uh, I want us to do something in your Bibles if you have those open. I want you to circle that word again. Circle the word again, because gang, here's the thing. We're going to see this over and over again. We're gonna keep seeing this word again, but it has to, as we study this, for us, it has to be prevalent in our study of judges as we go through this, because I think that God wants us to understand something here. And he's gonna tell us over and over again. I think he wants to understand something about how sin is attached to the oppression that his people face and why, why it's so dangerous for us to be messing around with sin ourselves. So if you're taking notes, uh, go ahead and grab your notes out there. Uh, here it is. This is a problem for them. And it still is the same problem for us today. And it's this, because here's the cycle that we go through. The cycle of sin will always lead to slavery and suffering. That's what he's trying to tell us. It will always lead to slavery and suffering. Gang, this is the truth. This is the outcome every time, every time. And I think, here's what I think when I, when I read Judges. I think this repeats over and over again because we need to hear it over and over again, everybody. We need to hear this message over and over again ourselves as followers of Jesus. And, and so here's how this meets us. This is how we can relate to the people of God and the problem they had uh, in this story. And I'm gonna ask a question. Why do people, people who know God, people who know God, people who believe in God, why do they still so many times find themselves in a cycle of sin? And here's why they get stuck in a cycle of sin, because there is something, gang, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's true. There is something in us, in every one of us, in our humanity, that still has this lean, it has a lean to think that there's a lot more freedom when I go after what I want to do and following the desires that I have versus following what God wants and the direction for my life. And, and here's where it's really, really uh, tough. This is, I'm just being honest, this is, this is true. It's easier, isn't it easier to follow my desires than it is God's direction? It just, it's easier to follow my desires than God's direction. That goes for all people. It goes for people who aren't following God and it goes for people who are following God. That's, that's what we see in here. These are, remember, these are God's people, okay? And we see them going from serving a God who loved them and protected them and blessed them. And we see them, listen to me, go back to this feeding trough like pigs of sin and idols and things that destroy and the consequences that they have from the outcome of that. And this, 
still happens today. There are even among us today, watching and here, there are Christians who are settling for a less than blessed life. Right now, as we are sitting here, there are many of you settling for a less than blessed life when we choose not to follow God all the way. We choose to follow God in, in our way, but, but when we don't follow him all the way, we, we always settle every time of a less than blessed life. But, but here's, why, and here's why I think this happens. I, I don't think people, I really don't think people uh, sin with less, I think they have less than evil intentions, okay? I don't, I don't think anybody goes, I'm gonna do this because I wanna be evil. I don't think anybody does that. Uh, I think it's a little more complicated than that, and it is, it is. I think, I think people follow the path of sin because they're looking for two different things. They, we are looking for either avoiding pain and suffering or that we actually wanna find relief or, or contentment. I think those are the two big things. We wanna avoid pain and suffering or we wanna find relief and contentment. And this is why sin is so dangerous, gang, because sin actually hides itself and actually disguises itself to be an answer, to be relief, to be that fun, right? Uh, right? I mean, because honestly, if you're not going after it with those intentions, you're doing it wrong. You're going after sin wrong if you're not going after it to find those good things. Isn't that true? I'm being funny, but it's true. It's true. Man, that's the attraction of sin at first. Man, people sin because it's attractive and it seems like fun and it seems like it's the answer, but it's not. Never is, never will be. And sin disguises itself like that. Always has, always will. Always will. And it's a trap. And the truth is, here's what we know. I don't have to preach this. That, that whatever that thing is that you're gonna go after, that contentment, that feeling of relief, goes away just as fast as you get it. Come on. Goes away just as fast as you get it and will ultimately take away your life. And listen, it will take the freedom away that you think you got. Because this is the ironic part of people who chase sin. See, this is ironic because, uh, you know, what we think brings us freedom will actually in the end give us into slavery. We will become slaves to whatever we're chasing. It went up enslaving us. So this is why God says, hey, don't do it. He's not trying to be a killjoy. Hey, he wants to be a joy giver, everybody. And he's saying, don't go that way. Don't do it. It's not who you are. It won't lead to relief. In fact, it'll cause more suffering. That's what he was telling them. And that's what he's telling us today. And I don't know about you. I don't want to be a church that just sees the cycle. I want to be a church that breaks the cycle, everybody. Amen. I don't want it. I don't want people to have experiencing suffering any more than we have to simply because we're not following God the right way. We got to break that cycle. Anyone say amen to that? I want to break that cycle. I don't want to have suffering in my life if I don't need it. Um, and so how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, they show us, uh, I, I found a clue in here that I think is huge. It's a key to us. Here's what I think breaks the cycle more than anything else. We have to be a church. We have to be a church that follows God closer than following any other thing, any people or any systems or even like church organizations. We have to be a people who follow God. This is what got the Israelites in trouble. If you look, uh, what you'll see is, is what happened is why they uh, started getting in the cycle again. It says, after Ehud's death, after Ehud's death, this is what happened. And I think that's a key. I think they made the mistake of putting more faith in Ehud than they did on God and his promises. And then once he died, they were like, oh I man, it was like anything goes, the whole thing fell apart. And I think, I think in our world today, it can be really easy to make the mistake of following leaders and making them the basis of our faith instead of following Jesus and making him the basis of our faith. I think it's so easy. I know I, I, I gotta be really careful even myself uh, when, when it comes to that, man. I gotta be careful with the great Christian authors that I read, and they're great. I love reading those or the pastors that I like listening to and, and following, but I cannot let them take the place of Jesus. I can't let them, I let them point the way, but they cannot be the way. 
They can't be the way. I think that's really key, gang. I think that's really key. There's nothing wrong with following leaders. There's nothing wrong to listen to good preachers and pastors. I think we put a little bit too much weight into leaders and then we put less into Jesus and following him and God's direction for our life. And so here's my question. I wanna ask a question before we move on. Right now, for you, just if you had an honest look in your faith, what would you say is guiding your faith the most? Who would you say is guiding your faith the most? How dependent are you on things other than God that define your faith? Is it based more on outside influences or an internal God who is changing you continually from the inside out? That that's what breaks the cycle, gang. That's what breaks it, okay? And I wanna be a church that breaks that cycle. Okay, so Ehud's gone. Ehud's gone. The people fall back into the once agains. They fall back into the trap of sin into life. Okay, so let's read on. Next verse, it says, all right, now, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She, uh, circle Deborah, circle Deborah, she's important. Uh, so circle her. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill of country of Ephraim and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, circle Barak. He's gonna be important. That's the third important person in this. The son of Abinoam from Kedesh Naphtali and said to him, Barak, has not the Lord, the God of Israel commanded you this? And she's gonna say what God is saying. This is what God is saying. Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 of them from the people of Natali and the people of Zebulun. And I will, God, I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops. And I will give him in to your hand. All right, so. Now here it is, see the judge come in. This is the judge that we're looking at today. God calls Deborah. Now I wanna talk about Deborah for a few minutes, okay? There are a few things that are unique uh, about Deborah than any other judge in, in the whole story of judges, okay? First thing that we see is that Deborah was a woman. This is very unique. This is unique because she is the only woman judge that we're gonna read about in the book of Judges. Uh, the other thing that is unique about her, if you wanna write this one down, that she's also, she's actually the only actual judge She's actually a real judge. She, she does judgments and all these things. All the other judges, uh, they were coming from a place of physical military type uh, spots, but uh, her rule was different. She was very different in her rule. She ruled with um, wisdom and character and, and judging and helping people uh, more than might. And she was a good judge. She was a good judge. Uh, we learned that, that she, was, uh, she was labeled as one of the most blessed women uh, in the Bible. That, that the only other person that had that designation was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And people came from so far away just to get her judgment and answers. They sought her out. So she was a woman, she was a judge. And the third unique thing is that she was a prophet. She was also a prophet. So I wanna, I wanna talk about this for, for a few minutes because I think uh, we get a few things mixed up when it comes to gender and Christianity. I think I wanna talk about this uh, for a little bit. Right now, man, when you look at the world, I think gender, the, the sub, this is a crazy subject in the world. I, I never thought I'd ever say that, but it, it's really getting, the world is, is, is making gender more and more complicated. And it is causing me to, it's harder and harder for me to understand like how the world is, is take, their take on gender, especially, it gets harder and harder for me to understand, especially when uh, I come from a bigger picture with a creator and his creation. So, so let me share for a minute here. So I'm just stepping back for a second, looking at this. Hopefully, hopefully, all right? Now God did a good enough job in his creation and how he made us, all right? To prove how uniquely different we are. Hopefully he did a good enough job. Like physically, 
I can look at Courtney and I can know she is different physical than me, all right? Like she's different physical. So just by looking at each other, be careful on that one. Just by, you know what I'm saying? Looking at each other, we could see that, they, that, we're, that we're pretty different. But here's, here's what I wanna see. Is that the only difference? between men and women? Is that the only, is, uh, is, is, is it something just biological or can we take that by God's design and what he did that was obvious and what he did to make man and woman and can we move spiritually with it in a way to see if there is something more extensive, something deeper, something more in our unique design as men and women. So without going down like too many examples, I, you know, I, I, I could do that. We could go to Genesis and we could talk about Adam and Eve and see some of those. We talk about, uh, we talk about me and Courtney, right? We talk about how I get hot and sweaty and loud at football games. And she looks at me with what's wrong with you kind of look, right? Like we could talk about that kind of stuff, but hopefully what we know, at least in a general sense, I'm just saying beyond the biological, that men and women are just different. They're just different. Now we absolutely have similarities, but my point is we have absolute and unique differences. Now, listen, that is intentional. That is intentional, okay? So, so there is an intentional difference that God has for each gender. One without the other does not give us the whole picture of God creating us, listen, in his image. Like we have to have one with the other to complement the other, to have a whole of what God said, let us make them in, in our image, okay? And, and that difference, gang, listen, I'm just gonna tell you from the Bible's approach, it brings diversity, which is a good thing. That is a good thing. And I'm bringing this up because I think it's really getting lost in our culture. I think that, 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 that those things are, are getting lost and it's so important to see how intentional God is in his design. And I'm just gonna say it, to deny that in its basic principle is to deny something, really, deny something really big with what God did intentionally for us to compliment one another. Okay, so back to Deborah. Here's the thing. She was the leader. All right, she was the leader. She was the judge called by God. No higher position at that time. She led Israel. Deborah was called by God because of the leadership gifts that she had. And so I conclude with this, when it comes to this, that when it comes to spiritual gifts, that it's the same for men and women. When it comes to spiritual gifts, it's the same for men and women. Right now, uh, there are two <coughs> narratives, like in the church world, that I think are dead wrong. They're incorrect. One is the narrative with men and women that there is zero distinction between the roles of men and women. I think that's one approach. And the other one is that women don't have any call by God to lead and they're seen as kind of second, secondhand lesser than. And as I read the Bible, both of those are incorrect. Both of those are not right. So, so when you look at the Bible, okay, when you look at the Old Testament and the New, the Old Testament and the New both show us this, and you can read for yourself, but both show us that men and women are equal in value, gifts, and ability. They are equal in value, gifts, and ability. In the Old Testament, women, you can read it, they had the ability to lead, teach, and prophecy, and everything else that men could do except for one role that was given to men, and it was a priest, all right? It was the only thing that God said, I'm gonna give that uh, to, to the Levites, to the men, and so why did he do that? I, I don't know. But here's what I do know. It had nothing to do with ability, but it just had to do with responsibility and the role that God said, I'm just gonna do that and give that to men, all right? And in the New Testament, it's the same, all right? It's the same. Both men and women can have the ability to teach and lead, but the, but the same role that was reserved in the Old Testament is the, is the same in the New Testament. And it's just, it has a different name as pastor elder, all right? It's just that one role. And so, so we have to catch this gang. We have to catch this, all right? With men and women, with men and women in the church of Jesus Christ, all right, the gifts and abilities are no different. 
No different. There's no gifts that are given to men that are not given to women. Uh, but the roles and responsibilities are different within, listen, the diversity that we have so that we can complement one another within God's design. It has nothing to do with authority. It's, all, it's only God's authority. It has everything to do with, with him wanting us to complement one another with his design. And so that's all under the authority of God. Okay, so, so and we see this with Deborah and Barak. Okay, so we see Deborah leading Israel, right? She's leading, she's leading. And then she brings in Barak and she goes, hey, listen, I'm the judge. I'm the leader, you're the fighter, all right? I'm not gonna step into that role. That's your role, okay? Neither one is better than the other. We need each other. God is saying, you need to go fight, all right? So that's what, he's, that's what she is saying to Barack. Now, I love this next verse because I love Barack's response, right? So she's like, you gotta get 10,000 of you guys and you're gonna go fight this army. Here's what Barack says, I love it. He goes, all right, if you go with me, I'll go, but I'm not going if you don't go. That's what he says right there. Isn't that the most human response, right? It's like, whoa, wait, wait, what? Okay, I'll go, you coming? Like, I, I love that. Now, as I've been reading and studying this in my own, uh, they're actually, Barack gets blasted here. He gets really blasted by a lot of the commentaries uh, that they say this shows a lack of faith and, and that he was kind of spineless and timid in his faith. And, uh, and, and here's the thing though, I, it's way easier, uh, it's way easier to be criticizing Barack behind a computer than it is to be Barack yourself, right? That's what I'm thinking. And so it's pretty easy to go, he was so scared. Like, how do you know? I don't know. Gang, that's not how I read it at all, actually. I, I don't read that at all. Personally, I, I don't think it was a lack of faith on his part. I think he saw the gifts that Deborah had and he said, why don't you just bring that with you? Because uh, I don't hear from God like you do. And so I think that's where he was. It didn't have anything to do with him being afraid, but he's like, if you're hearing God's voice, eh, just bring it with me. I wouldn't mind hearing from him a little bit more. That's the way I see it. All right, next verse. So she says, very well, I'll go with you but you will receive no honor for this venture for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Now circle that part, hands of a woman. This is not Deborah, it's gonna be somebody else, all right? But just circle that's an important part of the story. All right, so Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh and at Kedesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun, the tribes of Natalia and the 10,000 warriors went up with him and Deborah also went with him. Now, next verse. Heber, the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab. And if there are any names that are West Virginia names, those are it right there, everybody. <laughs> they live by the creek, right? They're like, hey, you're trying to find a go by Hobab's house, right? Like it's, down, it's down the holler, down by, uh, yeah, Heber, Heber. Anyways, moving on. So anyways, Heber, Heber, down the holler, moved away from the other members. Isn't that great? Uh, I couldn't get past that. His tribe and pitched his tent by the Oak of Zananim near Kedesh. Now, keep this up here. That is a weird part of this story. Isn't that a left turn? That's a left turn, right? I mean, it it's out of place. Uh, so we got two armies getting ready to go to battle. We got the good guys, we got the bad guys. They're going to Kaishan. And then this is like, uh, have you ever watched like a series on Netflix or, or TV and you're watching this series and it's following this one line. And then there's just this, like this side story that makes no sense. And you're like, what is that? Uh, with new characters or something like that, all right? Now, that's, that's what this is like. But just like those shows, you circle that. Like, I'm just saying, like, we're just gonna come back to it, okay? Uh, it's all gonna make sense, so put a mark in that. Uh, here's what we need to know about Heber, okay? What we need to know about Heber, he used to be a good guy, and then he defected, right? He defected, that's what this is saying. He's not a bad guy all the way, but he removed himself from Israel and their protection, okay? That's all I'm gonna say without giving it away. Don't skip ahead, we're, we're gonna get to it, all right? Keep going. All right, back to the battle. Let's get back to the battle. All right, next verse. 
So it says, when Sisera was told that Barak son of Abinoam had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Habana to the Kaishan River. I'm just gonna call it Haha. All right, so anyways, now that's an important part because uh, so he sees them coming down from the mountain. And he's like, all right, they're gonna come down this way. So let's get, let's get in this, this flat spot there and we're gonna catch them. So then Deborah said this though to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera for the Lord is marching ahead of you. I would underline that, the Lord, because this is all about him. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor. So they're going into the flats. And when Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Stop right there, what happened? Again, this is times where I wanna mark this for y'all. Sometimes we read and go past something really big. So it says the Lord did something really weird right there. Okay, so, so here's what happened. I think this is really cool. Okay, here's what happened. So this battle on the Kaishan River Valley was happening during the dry season, okay? It's very important. The dry season there is the dry sea. It doesn't rain for months and months and months. It doesn't dry, not one drop of rain. Uh, and so the river basin they were fighting on was completely dry. It was all dry. It was a big field. And that gave Sisera the advantage with his chariots. He can't, chariots are no good on mountains and hills. And so he was in a great position. He saw them coming down. He goes, hold your position, fellas. We're gonna just wait and we're gonna crush them, right? So this is a very strategic thing for Sisera, okay? Now, if you have your Bibles, jump to chapter five. Jump to chapter five, because chapter five is really needed. We're not gonna get into it, uh, but it's a summary of the battle. It's a continuation of the story. Uh, and so we're gonna look in verse 21 in chapter five. I don't have it up here, uh, but here's what it says about uh, what happened in verse 21. It says that in my translation, the Kaishan River, listen, swept them away that ancient torrent. That's what happened. So what this is saying, catch this, is God sent a miracle of rain that was so big and so huge that it flooded the whole valley. And then that, that completely sank the chariots and then Sisera's advantage was totally gone. I just thought that was pretty cool. So that's what happened in that one little verse. Just a neat detail to know in the story. So, so no more advantage. And I love that, that Deborah was saying, hey, this is the Lord's deal. All right, next verse. All right. So Sisera leaped out from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Haha, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. There he is, there's old Heber. Uh, so circle Jael, don't circle Heber, Heber. circle Jael. She's important uh, because Heber's family was on the friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. So he was kind of buddies with the king. So Jael, the wife, went out to meet Sisera and said to him, hey, come into my tent, sir, come in. Don't be afraid, all right? So he went into the tent and she covered him with a blanket. Oh, please give me some water, he said. I'm, I'm, I'm reading, I'm context. I'm, I think he's tired. Oh, please give me some water. I think that'll help us a little bit. I'm thirsty, right? Maybe he's like, I'm thirsty. I don't know. Okay, anyways. So she gave him some milk. She gave him some milk instead of water uh, from a leather bag and covered him again, sang him a lullaby, right? Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. And he said this, if anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quick, like quietly crept up to him 
with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground. And here are the four most unnecessary words in the entire Bible. And so he died. <laughs> you think? You think? Did anybody expect that next verse going to have his sister coming out and going, man, like, is there something in my head right here? I don't feel good. Not here or here, right here. Like, is there anything in there? Like, yeah, he's dead. He, he gone. All right. So now, now, before you get any ideas of, of thinking that God's telling you to do something like this with your enemies, just back up. All right. Pump the brakes. Like drop the tent peg in your daydream right now, okay? I'm just saying, that is not how God tells us to handle things with our enemies, all right? Uh, this is descriptive. Christ came to fix all that, all right? So sorry, uh, uh, doing that is no bueno right now, okay? I'm just saying. Uh, and we don't even, honestly, we don't even know, it doesn't say that God called her to do that. I just think that's a crazy thing right there. The old tent peg in the tent, that puts a new saying on, nailed it, right? Like, uh, maybe that's where they got it from. I don't know, maybe that's where they got it from. All right, finish this out, verse 22. How much time do I have left? All right. When Barak came looking for sister, a jail went out to meet him. She said, come, yeah, the Bible's great. Uh, come and I will show you the man you're looking for. Oh, she did, right? So, so he followed her into the tent and found sister laying there dead with a tent peg through his temple. All right, so on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin. I love that. It's all about God, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. The end, all right, the end. Actually, that's not really the end. Uh, the whole next chapter is a continuation. Uh, and chapter five is really great. We're not gonna get into it today, but I really wanna encourage you to read it. So what chapter five is, is Barack and Deborah get together and they write a song. It's a song, like a duet, right? They're writing a duet that they, I don't know if they sang together in front of their army or whatever, but it's really, really good. And we don't have time to read it. And I hope you do that because here's, towards the end of that song, it just struck me funny, man, because they wrote about JL. And here's what it says. This is what it says in my Bible. It says, she sent her hand to the tent peg and she crushed his head. Between her feet, he sank, he fell, he lay still. Between her feet, he sank, he fell where he sank, there he fell, dead. <laughs> la, 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 la. Like that's, it's a song. We get the worship team to work on that. I don't know. I, all right. And at the end of chapter five, it says it in there, read it. I'm telling you, it's great. And the land had rest for 40 years, for 40 years. And this is gonna take us into the next cycle. This is gonna take us into the next cycle that happens again. All this happened. God did this. But we're gonna see the same thing happen again. They're gonna go back to that trough. But right now they have peace. Right now they're like, God is awesome. We're gonna give credit to God and we're gonna read the next cycle next week. But I wanna end, I wanna end this morning with two things, two things that God wants us to know. And I think two things that I just felt God impressed on me of what I think the church needs right now, what we need as a church right now, what we're seeing, but I want more to, to get in on this. And here's the first thing, if you're taking notes, I just found that here's what I got. God calls leaders to lead. God calls leaders to lead. And gang, that goes for men and women. That goes for men and women of River Ridge Church. God is calling you to lead and I want you to step up and lead. I wanna look at this from two aspects this morning. I wanna look at this uh, and talk to women and I wanna look at this and talk to men for a minute. Uh, women, man, take Deborah's example. 
I love her example, man. Take that, be inspired. Take courage as a woman of God and who he called you to be. And here's what I wanna tell you, ladies. Be who God called you to be. Be who God called you to be. There are some of you here right now in this moment and watching who are part of this church. You are gonna be called here to be a spiritual leader with the gifts that he has given to you and, and with, with everything that God has behind you. He's gonna be behind you with that. And we wanna be a part of that. We wanna be a part of God empowering and calling you as a church of Jesus Christ, while we still stay in those biblical roles and aren't gonna change that God has on us as a church, both of those can be accomplished at the same time. And I'm just saying, man, take that. I love how Deborah took her role on. She led Israel. She led all the people. She led men and women, uh, stayed in God's order. She didn't overstep. She didn't take on a role that God didn't tell her to do or assign to somebody else. God has a calling on your life, ladies. And I just love that we have so many strong women of Christ here. We have so many women in leadership. We have so many women leading ministry, teaching, doing things. And I just, I just wanna see more. I wanna see more of that going, okay? And we wanna keep seeing that. You have the same gifts. Listen to me, the same abilities. You have the same position as we do. Um, and so, man, there are no shadows here for you to hide behind. We don't want them, okay? That's, that's, I love Deborah's example. Husbands, husbands. I'm gonna mention a guy that actually wasn't really mentioned that much. Uh, I wanna look at, I, I look at the example Barack, Man, that man, he is such a great story of faith that, that he said, all right, I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna lead that army. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna be that guy that steps up. But I wanna, I wanna challenge you to lead your house like Lapidoth. Lapidoth, if you remember Lapidoth, uh, it says in the very beginning of the story that that was Deborah's husband. It doesn't say a whole lot about him, but here's what I believe. Here's what I believe about Lapidoth. I think he was a man of God. I think he's a man who loved God and he loved and served his wife so that she could be the best version of herself. Are you doing that, husbands? Are you doing that? Are you serving your wife and loving your wife in a way where you are putting her in the best possible position with God? Are you doing that? I think we miss what biblical headship looks like. I, I, I think we're missing what it really means. Men, listen, very clear. You are called to lead your house. That is your call, it's only for you. It's not on your wife, it's not on anybody else. God calls you to lead. He says you are the head of the house like Jesus is the head of the church and you are to lead your family as Jesus Christ leads the church. That is a responsibility on you and you alone. Are you doing that? Are you taking the spiritual lead in your family? Are you, are you doing that? Because here's the thing, headship is, headship is not uh, a right to exercise your authority. It is uh, a responsibility to love and lead like Jesus Christ. Are you doing that, man? I, I just, I wanna challenge you, man. Because here's what it means. Here's what it means for you to lead your family. Are you initiating the spiritual fight with your family in your house? Are you initiating it? Don't wait for anybody else. Are you praying that fight? Are you praying out loud with your family, with your kids and with your wife? Are you praying first? Are you providing the environment that is needed for your family to be going right in the right spiritual direction? Too many men have abdicated that. That is your call. You're gonna answer that one day. So am I. That's absolutely right there clearly in the Bible. So I just want you to lead, man. Take that, have courage, lead your family. They all want it. They all want it, I'm telling you. So, so I just wanna talk about, here's the second thing. Sorry, I got a little fired up. Second thing. Because man, I believe in you guys. I believe in you guys to lead like that. Second thing, all God needs is simple obedience. That's all he needs is simple obedience. I, I love how God uses uh, Deborah and Barack, but you know, I find so fascinating in the story is J.L., and what happened with her. I just find that so interesting how she comes into picture because here's who JL was. Here, here's what the story lays out. This is who she was. It says she was a wife. 
That's the full description of who she was. And my bet is if you went up to JL and, and somebody, if you went up and you said, hey, listen, if you asked her before this went down, that she would be a big part of the armies of Canaan being defeated by God, she would probably say, how's that? I'm just a housewife. And I think that's what many of us do. I think that's what a lot of you do. Well, why would God wanna use me, man? I'm just a, listen to me, you are a child of God designed with a purpose to make a difference in this world in the name of Jesus Christ. That is who you are and you have a call and you have a role to play on this earth while you live. And so grab the tent peg and drive it in the ground. I don't know about that analogy, but just do it, okay? Don't just watch out for temples, okay? Like just do it. Say yes to God. That's my point. Say, keep saying yes to God. You were made for a yes to God. And that's not wimpy faith. I'm telling you what, if you keep saying yes to God, here's what you're gonna find. I think some of us don't know this because you're not saying yes enough. It goes against the grain of all of life out there. It's, it, is, it takes courage to say yes. And I wanna call you all men and all women of Jesus Christ in this church, say yes in the face of this world to God. Man, we need more and more men and women who have the courage to say yes. It takes courage because man, like we live every day, I say this all the time, you, every day you wake up uh, with a yes or no with a yes or no, every day, every day to God, I want you to say yes. And I just wanna ask you, what would, your, would your life look any different if you said yes more to God? What would it look like? What would happen? What people would be impacted? What, what lives would change in your family uh, for eternity if you said yes more to God? All God needs sometimes, I really want this to sink in, is a simple yes. Is, is, is just saying, I'm gonna be obedient to you and your word and, and what you want me to do. It just needs a yes. I'm out of time. Let me pray. God, thank you again for this amazing story. And, and again, I just, it's really hard for me when I go into the Bible and not see something that you have for me. It's amazing. You're alive, your, your word is alive. I, I pray uh, that we see this cycle of sin and that we don't wanna just recognize it. But we as a church wanna break that cycle as we go hard after you, that we just keep saying yes to you. I pray for these men and women here in our church that they see the gifts that you've given and the call that you have on their life, that, that we were made for a yes. And I just pray over the, the men and women of this church that they step up and lead like you've called them to lead, that, that they're putting themselves in a position to be just impacting uh, the kingdom of God here while they're on this earth. And, and I pray that we just have the courage, all of us have the courage to say yes to you because that's what we are made for. Through simple obedience is where you will do so, so much. We love you. And again, we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, good story. All right, come back. We got, a next, we got another one next week, all right?